The Blokebusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blokebusters Podcast. Oh, my name's Martin Raven. I'm a canny gone man and a rolling young fella. I have been. So be easy and free when you're drinking with me. I'm a man you don't meet every day. I have acres of land, I have men at command. I have always a shilling to spare. So be easy and free when you're drinking. Can with me, I'm a man you don't meet every day. Welcome to episode 112 of Blokebusters. I'm Paul, and today we have ourselves a repeat guest. Uh, this is someone that we had on quite a while ago to talk about a previous film of his called Beach Pillows, and now he's back to talk about his newest film, Covadonga, and it is, of course, Mr. Sean Hartafillis. How are you doing, sir? I'm well. How are you doing, Paul? Thanks for having me. That's right. I'm doing quite well. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, it was kind of announced as the blue type thing. He just sent uh, an email to us, and it was like, hey, that would be great to have you back on. So, so thanks for uh, uh, putting yourself back on our radar, as it were. <laughs> My pleasure. Right. Uh, so... Uh, to start with, um, I think probably, I don't know, how do you feel about it personally? Would you like this to feature spoilers or would you rather we kind of dance around ah, that? That's a, that's a great question. I think, I think if we can avoid spoiler, we, we can like gracefully talk about as much as we'd like, you'd like to talk about. But I think, yes, avoid spoilers. Like pretty, I've obviously shown... Uh, in the kind of trailers and the music videos that or in the trailer and the music videos that um, we have a, a, a boy captive and I've told the plot of the movie to people but just in terms of I guess turns and what ultimately happens uh, we can yeah we can be kind of graceful about it tactful but but not reveal anything that you feel like you wouldn't have known um, Beforehand. Yes, beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. But like I said, I, I kind of, the, the plot is um, has been revealed and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think we can just talk and I'll, I can pull it, feel, pull it back if I feel like we need to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure. Uh, well, for, for those listening in that have never heard of this particular film, what is this film about? Well, um, it may be... Yeah, it's not out yet, so uh, but I'm ha- hopefully making people aware of it uh, mm-hmm. here. Um, it's about see that's it's funny because I um, figured you would ask that, and of course I answer that quite a bit. But and I will, I'd be, be happy to answer that. But I'm very curious to hear what you th- would say. What I would say is from okay. Well, uh, again, without going too much into the ending of it, because I feel that that's where a lot of the real meaning of the film kind of lands. But I think this film, at least what I took away from it, is about, is almost an attempt at redemption, kind of. Like it, 
again, I can't really explain that too much without spoiling it. But okay, uh, it, but it just feels... in terms of like the pl- I, I I kind of figured yeah. you, you'd want me to talk about the plot or something. yeah, that, that, that's fine. Yeah, the I mean, gen- general uh, general plot of the film. Uh, how, about, how about should I should I pick it up? I, sure, I, now, go I ahead. Like now I feel like I'm quizzing you or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no. Um, so yeah, it's about a. Uh, a widower at a at uh, at a lake house who's mourning his um, wife who's passed, and we learn it was violently. Um, and um, he's kind of just you know playing guitar and behaving in odd ways. And we uh, we come to discover that um, uh, again, this is all kind of revealed in a, in a certain way, um, but. He uh, anyway, a young couple trespasses on his property one night and steals his canoe and takes it for a ride. And he observes this from his deck. And uh, only the boy returns to shore, and he's he reacts. And that's kind of the uh, what unf- and 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 the movie kind of takes off and unfolds from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're left. To, so the kind of uh, I think the questions that it's posing uh from a narrative perspective are you know is uh what's happened here and is this um our you know subject's kind of tragic past uh influencing his perspective on the world uh or is there a crime really has a crime been committed and uh you know are his actions just then regardless um Kind of what does it all mean with respect to the uh, <laughs> themes of the movie, which are um, some of those. But anyway, that's probably enough. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I, I'll start out by saying that uh, this this is a rather unique film. <laughs> it's uh, very interesting because I, as you say, you you've released some of the music and a little bit clips here and there on Twitter and. Uh, social media and I saw that and I was like oh well that that's interesting and then I started watching the film and I was just continuing to watch it and just thinking that I've not really seen too many films with the same kind of pacing and uh, like some of the the choices that this film made so it was uh, very cool to get something different from something you see every single day coming out of Hollywood. So, oh, well, uh, I appreciate all that. I think, you know, that's that's willful. Um, but it's really just, yeah, kind of making it um, what it feels like it should be and um, and not trying to make it like other things. But um, that's, uh, no, I appreciate it. And, you know, I, I, I was kind of aware when I was um, conceiving it and ultimately putting it together that there were a lot of, parts that might be considered disparate or, you know, like unrelated, uh, or genre mixing, it would be like kind of a, yeah. a way to put it that, yeah, in, in film terms. And, um, but ultimately, um, I mean, I, I really enjoy seeing, you know, cause you've got the music, you've got the kind of thriller aspects, you've got kind of this personal drama, kind of little bits of horror and just like also, dancing like musical aspects and some 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 comedy i guess um but that wasn't like trying to make everything a different thing it was just all um you know things that i felt were 
true and interesting to this story and that we could, you know, bring to it to enrich it. And, um, but also like, I like, I like seeing live musical performances of any sort. Um, and like some of my favorite movies, like whether it's a concert film, like the last waltz, um, or, you know, anything with music in it, but something like Rio Bravo has, uh, about two thirds through the movie, they play two consecutive songs live, like Dean Martin and, um, God, I'm forgetting the young, beautiful kid in it, but, um, <laughs> um, hopefully maybe it'll come to me. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, so I just always liked that. So wasn't, wasn't kind of repelled by the instinct. And also it's helpful because the character is solitary and, um, it helps to kind of communicate his perspective. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I like that part of it. I, I felt like it, it filled out the story, um, with, without having, you know, him to talk about like what's happening, you know, in the movie that you don't necessarily have to talk about what, what you're seeing. Um, and also, um, so yeah. And then, um, you know, the stuff with the mop and all that, but I'll, I'll let you pick it up. <laughs> no, yes. I, I was going to say that, as you said, you had a very solitary character and the only other way that you really could get across how he's feeling and what he's thinking would be to almost like say memento where you get a lot of Guy Pierce talking to himself yeah, and you hear the inside of his Always head over, and, that, yeah. and that's Never become become a real trope at this point so it was kind of nice to see rather than getting that he's just got this guy who's singing a song that might either might reflect what he is thinking at that moment or he's singing a song trying to get over what he's thinking or get past something so it's it, but I it think was, that's a good way to that's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah, it um, yeah and it, without being a musical, you know, um, which I, I love, you know, I have no problem with musicals. There's, <laughs> you know, I've enjoyed many, um, but it's, you know, it's just a guy who is either a songwriter, but, you know, is somebody who sits around and plays guitar and sings. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess the first question that I had after I watched it was, what gave you the idea for this film? Um, I think it's funny because there are different parts. There's like the, the form and kind of the, the setting was a big inspiration and kind of wanting to make something quickly and something where I didn't need to get a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of crew and kind of locations and something where I can, yeah. So something where I can folk and i you know was inspired by just loving a lot of movies where there's like a central um location that you kind of provides a lot of ultimately visual variety and different feeling but um it forces you to be more creative basically you're 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 giving yourself more limitations in order to kind of be completely unbound um so that was the instinct that that was kind of the reason to do it. And then the story, which kind of came at, you know, just immediately thereafter, or I had been kind of had been bubbling up. Um, I kind of thought about it on a drive back from my in-laws house with my wife and I, just our son Finn at the time. We've, we've had another one since, but um, I just thought up what 
I guess Hitchcock would call the scenario, um, and then you know wrote it in like a week or two, and um, and I wrote the songs into it. And these are songs I've been kind of writing leading up to conceiving the film and just like not you know I've n I don't perform in front of people I've only ever played in front of like my family or like my <laughs> wedding or something so um but now I've been playing more and more and like uh you know when we show the movie I've played and stuff and so I um so the, so I wrote those into it because I'm like okay this is what I was kind of doing do, making them for like they're they just spoke to the to to the text um or the subtext um and then um so yeah and i kind of knew okay if i do that then i have to be the lead because you know i i write and play these things so it's you know it's yeah you're not, not going to get somebody to learn them or something um so then but that also helped because you don't have to be directing someone or like convincing them to do um there's a lot of physical stuff in the movie um and just uncomfortable kind of I mean, we had to work fast and long hours and, you know, yeah. um, there's just, you know, um, we're in the elements to, uh, to a certain extent. So, um, whatever, so that all was a reason to do it, to, to play the lead. I think I'm kind of answering questions that haven't even been asked, <laughs> but, uh, uh, so where, where are we here? What am I even talking about? <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I, I was going to ask at some point about you choosing to play the lead and what led into that, and obviously you already answered that. But uh, did, was there was there ever any point where you were considering other people to play the lead, or was it as you figured out the songs would go in, you were like, "Well, it really is only I could do this as it is in my head." Yeah, I was I was painting myself into a corner, I think, in that way. <laughs> And I was, um, but I was also, um, you know, I was making, at the time that, the, what I also, thank you, because I also wanted to mention, writing my own songs, but also listening to a lot of Irish folk music, and specifically like Luke Kelly, and um, a lot of Pogues and Shane McGowan, but uh, just a ton of Irish music, and mm -hmm. that kind of, I think that ultimately ins inspiring me to because then I'm playing these songs, I'm playing them for my family, and ultimately kind of inspiring me to, uh, who is Irish, to, to, to pour all that into the movie and to like, you know, to kind of speak up. Um, not, you know, not, not that the, the, the character is me, as, as is quite obvious if you've seen the movie, but um, <laughs> just to, uh, yeah, express myself and put myself out there and kind of do everything that I may have been afraid to do with the movie was another reason to do it. Like, okay, so not rely on a bunch of dialogue, which beach pillows and like the other things I've made are, are dialogue heavy. And I think comedic leaning, um, even though yeah. hopefully, you know, has a lot of emotion and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so to have something where I couldn't rely on the dialogue, I, you know, put myself out there performing music and, and kind of doing all these physical things, emotional things, and um, and and kind of tell a story visually, um, which I always have, you know, intended to do, and certainly had an emphasis on with beach pillows, um, but really just make it, you know, without words or or really information informing the audience's understanding of what's going on. <laughs> You're just kind of letting something unfold. 
or you know orchestrating something that's keeping the audience um a- active you know what i mean yeah. Um, like part, part yeah so um it was yeah it was just like it, it was a, ch- a challenge but um or it you know it seemed like a challenge kind of going in um and that was kind of what i was following but ultimately you're it felt it felt right you know it felt like um yeah i was glad to have made this uh as my second movie and i'm excited to get it out there yeah well i i was I was going to ask as well, obviously it's a very different film from Beach Pillow, both in tone and just uh, the way you, you get some of the stuff across. So I was wondering if any of your previous filmmaking experience helped you make decisions on this film or did it come down to a completely different set of scenarios that you had to learn what you were going to do on the day or in the editing bay? That's a good question. Um uh i think um well one i think you're right it's it's very different than beach pillows and um but also i feel like and um or you know i feel like it um it's you can tell the same person made them so i think like if um there's just it's different setting different circumstance different characters different things happening to different people but um really both you know the approaches were both in terms of the performances just you know trying to make the text or what whatever was happening as real as possible um and and kind of letting it speak for itself in a sense um but um so but you're and did anything inform me um Yes, everything about the Beach Pillows experience, everything about, every, you know, every filmmaking experience I had leading up to Beach Pillows um, informed that, and cert- that informed this in a big way. Um, you know, Beach Pillows, I, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm com- completely proud of it. I think I, you know, I like them as a one-two punch, as weird as it, it is, and my third <laughs> one's like, um, pre- you know, a bigger turn than... Um, than one than one to two, but um, I think that um, yes, it 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 informed me. Just in inter- it made me want to go smaller. It kind of made me, you know, I I I felt like we made beach pillows on a on a small, efficient budget and schedule, um, and it you know got a ton of production value and everything I wanted out of you know, the movie aesthetically and in terms of the scale, yeah. um, but. I, I was like, you know, you can, a lot of these elements aren't necessarily letting you be more creative. They're just creating kind of, they're, they're almost weighing the production down. And again, this was a $400,000 movie, Beach Pillows. It wasn't like multi-millions of dollars. No. Hopefully, you know, I think it looks like I hold it up to any, you know, movie of its ilk in terms of just, I, I didn't compromise what I was trying to show, but um, I, um I just like Kubrick you hear about, um, you know, he'd have like 10 people on set unless it was a big battle scene. So if you can work intimately, I think you can be a little more unencumbered and and just faster. Um, And and again, every I love everybody I worked with on Beach Pillows and some of them I was lucky to work with again. Um, But yeah, just different movie, different model, whatever. Um, And um, 
so I learned and, and just, I mean, I like, you know, I, I, I visually, I, and kind of the instincts on how to show things and how to, you know, where the camera should go, that, that kind of, it didn't feel like, um, my perspective changed, but of course you're telling a different story and trying to do different things to the, the audience. So the beach pillows, it's, yeah, I shot like 25 millimeter the whole movie. I, and I think I had, you know, one thing with a zoom lens and then at the end we had a 32, but it was like, you know, wide, um, lens and kind of, you know, a lot of movement, but you have coverage of scenes cause there's dialogue with two characters. So as much as I like to do things in long takes and stuff like that, um, you, you have, you have to do a certain amount of coverage. This was basically shot. Um, and that too, um, you know, pre-visualized and kind of, uh, you know how the pieces are going to fit when you cut it together. But this just more spare in that approach, I would say. Um, and just, I knew then, okay, what I learned from Beach Pillows is always follow, always do what you want to do. Don't let anybody tell <laughs> deter you <laughs> because like things are done a certain way or this will happen here, especially if you're editing it. Like, um, and uh, even ultimately distributing it, you're like, why am I going to make just kind of, obviously you want fresh eyes and you, you don't want to just put something out there that nobody's seen or nobody understands, yeah. but you you kind of want to give it your honest, um, voice, like let what you're trying to do shine through. Uh, and I didn't have to compromise in, in any significant ways on beach pillows or really, you know, any ways to speak of, but you're, yeah. it's just like what you tell yourself. It's just like, no, follow it, follow through. You're doing everything for a reason. Um, and yeah, when you end up taking or see now when you physically can't do something um, or you're because of time, money, whatever, then you can be creative. And that's what filmmaking is. It's like being creative by solving problems, by being creative, yeah. getting, you know, even telling a story. That's what that is. You're getting to the end. You're, you know, you're solving problems the whole time. But um, so anyway that those were some of the lessons i brought from that one to this one but yeah working with actors kind of being inspired by my actors on beach pillows and how giving of themselves they were and demanding emotionally but then coming to appreciate it a lot more <laughs> um and you know i've acted before but never anything with this range um so it's very demanding work it it it, it asks a lot of you and yeah. it, it takes a lot out of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are some some very interesting scenes, again, especially towards the end, where it's clear you're balancing a lot and really trying to get certain emotions across that I imagine if they took more than a couple of takes would really start to drain you. So, yes, I... Uh, yeah, feel, so we feel like they came across quite quite well. Oh, thank you very much. No, I'm I'm really interested um, to hear every everything that you think. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just I I, I feel like you're like yeah. So his um, yeah, talking to his wife uh, and um, kind of ultimately considering whether or not what he's doing is right. And um, yeah, you know, I think we're showing somebody that's doing really bad things, potentially like as bad as it gets, 
but also just questionable on a lot of levels regardless. And, yeah. um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I tried to, you know, I don't know how that comes across to people, but I, I tried to play it as somebody that you could understand, uh, you know, something very bad happened to him and, um, and he, so his world and the way he sees it and reacts to it is colored by that. Um, and, you know, that's what the movie's exploring. Um, from a historical perspective, given the title, but also um, in this very personal way. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and I will say, jumping back to something you, you mentioned a little earlier, uh, you brought up both Kubrick and Hitchcock when you were uh, talking about it. And I, I do feel like, much like Beach Pillows felt to me to have a touch of Wes Anderson around it, mm. I feel like this one kind of has a little bit of uh, both your Kubrick and your Hitchcock in it. You have a lot of long takes and long shots and not wanting to cut away so i assume you had several just one take scenes that you were shooting and then uh, maybe in the end you you didn't edit it at all because it just felt best left that way and mm -hmm. so i i was just thinking that with you saying that it pops in my head like of course like you're clearly inspired uh, <laughs> by these filmmakers so it's uh, it, yeah and but as you say, you can tell that they were both made by the same person. So it's uh... oh good, yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. Like you know, Wes, you know, Wes Anderson's inspired by Kubrick and um, Hitchcock, and you know, as is Scorsese. And it's kind of like it's certainly in it, it, yeah. And those those are some of my favorite filmmakers. But th this one, uh, not but, but in addition to them, like Charlie Chaplin. Um, yeah. was a big influence on on the long takes, and of course Chaplin was a huge influence on Kubrick. Um, so it's kind of getting the sense of what you like seeing. And uh, the thing the thing with long takes is cutting, of course, has uh, many facilities is is, is useful um, and artistic and and purposeful, um, but also audiences whether consciously or not you're you know that something happened and changed and you lose the sense of temporal you know of, of something happening so or, or like even on a gut level so when you don't cut it kind of makes everything just build 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 inside of the audience and kind of inside of the scene because you know it's like on a tightrope it's um it's it's a little it has aspects of theater of course, but um, it's just yeah I think humans and especially now audiences are so savvy everybody is a filmmaker on their phones and stuff <laughs> you're kind of familiar with editing so uh, if you I, I think there's a either there's narrative value but also kind of gut visceral value in um, just showing something happening to people and, you know, and not manipulating, uh, with the tools, of, uh, with certain other tools of cinema. Um, but, uh, yes, all, all those filmmakers, you know, when you're, when you're making a thriller or, or kind of a mystery, um, you'd love to 
think it came somewhere near something like Hitchcock um, because that's like the hallmark and anything good. You would be, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then Kubrick. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, just, you know, gods of cinema, but, but also like guys like Antonioni, um, uh, something like La Ventura, um, you know, it's, t- uh, um, knife in the water, Polanski movie. Um, but all of the, you know, I watched like, um, you kind of, there's a, Awake and Fright, an Australian movie that's um, really, really good. I'm forgetting the filmmaker right now. But anyway, um, yeah, you're inspired by all that stuff just because you're inspired by the world. You're inspired by everything. And hopefully you're watching good stuff for sure. But but then the movie, um, yeah, the and but trying to tell the story and make a movie that's, you know, super personal. Um, yeah. Again, not in terms of belief, like in terms of playing yourself or anything like that, um, but just in kind of the themes and the things, the the, the emotional perspective of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I, mean, I was um, I was going to ask earlier as well before we uh, and, went oh, off down. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Paul. Oh. But I just wanted to say, because it was like one of the first things you asked me, and I feel like I keep talking about it, but not saying, the, <laughs> I, I like movies and all the people that we've been talking about and many others that people love um, kind of make movies where even if you make something in a certain genre, um, as it's known, yeah. anything anything can happen in the movie. Like, it's funny, it's it can be violent, it's... Um, emotional like you know emotionally poignant it might be allegorical all, all always very personal but kind of you know life like any good art any good music any good kind of painting book certainly has does kind of all these things because you know that's the experience of the world so or our experience of the world so um that's what i'm always trying to do and um and then kind of just telling yourself that at a certain point, like not trimming the edges off necessarily. I'm trying to present something beautiful, like aesthetically as beautiful as you can make it, but kind of in terms of warts and all, um, you know, going there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, well, like you said, with all the different genres there, there are several in this one, and uh, I think possibly my favorite moment happens right towards the end, where, and trying to dance around this as much as possible, you have a wait a second moment. <laughs> and yeah, I, I enjoyed the one bit right towards the end. It reminded me of American Psycho. That I thought it was kind of, uh, kind of a, a fun shot. Okay, so the shot with the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the shot with the... Yeah, the shot yeah, with the <laughs> So yeah, as, as I was um, going to say a little earlier as well, uh, I was wondering, you said you wrote the song for the film. Do you have a favorite song that you wrote or one that means the most to you? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I try not to rank my own stuff and right. certain, um, or really other, like art in general, <laughs> but um, you kind of appreciate things about it and all that and uh it 
moves you in a certain way. But I, I do, I don't mind lists and stuff like that at all. And I, I do like the question because the one song "Heaven Is Real" is kind of explicitly autobiographical. It's about like my family tree, I guess. Right. Um, so that that one um, and like my parents' story is in there a little bit. So that I'd say that one definitely has the most personal meaning, and I'm um, you know was happy to have written it. And I think maybe writing that made me know that I could do the movie and the story, and kind of that all these songs were good enough, because right. um, that was pretty close to when I wrote the movie. But um, yeah, it's funny there. They they all call to mind very specific kind of times and i think that's i i wouldn't know well enough but i imagine if you spoke to other people who write songs that the, the process can be quick of course uh, yeah. then you kind of then you're just kind of playing it and learning it but you write it pretty quickly i mean learning it you know, don't yeah. but um so but you, you kind of remember the 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 emotion the, the time and this and how you felt and like what was going on so they've all got interesting ones in that way um but yeah i think uh, but yeah that that would be an answer to your question the heaven is a real one <laughs> all right um well, how about you because i like them all but how about you uh well i because uh, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering which ones are specific but uh the, i think the one that i just enjoyed listening to the most and uh, full disclosure uh, being partially deaf i do have trouble actually hearing the words to a lot of songs in films so i i probably didn't catch all of all of the songs oh that's so, fine god, um, god god bless you i'm sure i'm sure that's you know its own beautiful <laughs> way to listen but i'm sorry for any no. um difficulty uh, that's caused you although oh, no. you've done no, quite well it, it's fine i uh uh, it, it basically just uh, turned me into more of a visual person when it comes to to film. But um, uh, no, I, I still enjoy, especially uh, the. I think I mumbled. Yeah. <laughs> I've been acu- I've been accused of mumbling. Um, yeah, me too. Um, yeah, that's, that's something I do a fair amount uh, in my day to day life. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I still enjoy uh, the cadence to songs and uh, just where they might fit and. I think the the song that I just enjoyed listening to the most would be the one where he's out on the balcony oh, uh, cool. before he sees the interlopers. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you said that because I was gonna drop this little Easter egg, um, which you especially might appreciate. That song, um, "Change Your Ground," is in the movie Beach Pillows. I wrote that for the movie Beach Pillows, it plays in the bar scene where there, it's the civil rights song from the 60s, ah. um, so, which I had recorded. Basically, I was going to use, like, Change is Going to Come by Sam Cooke. I'd written that in the script, but of course I couldn't clear that or, like, you know, <laughs> Many Rivers to Cry, anything. I, you know, can't clear those songs, um, <laughs> under, rightfully so, I'm sure. And uh, so I ended up writing one and having uh, this girl... Um, Angie Korea, uh, who goes by the name of Koreatown, um, sing it, and she was great. And that, and they kind of reference it because um, Nick was Nick's like, you know, here Morgan, listen up, and you know, 
Morgan says this is a civil rights song, we're two middle class white kids from the suburbs or something. Um, and so anyway, that's that song. Um, huh. And uh, yeah, I thought it worked there. Um, but it's funny, yeah. Um, and I'm glad you, I'm really glad you liked it. And uh, you, it's not the first time, it's, I guess, the first time you've heard me sing it, but it's not the first time you've heard it. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe that's why I enjoyed it so much. There was something of the familiar about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you, you were talking about uh, your family tree uh, song, and that uh, brings me kind of neatly to my next question, which is. What was it like giving your dad direction on this show? It's, uh, he is in it. <laughs> right. Um, well, it's not the first time I've done it because I um, he was in this <laughs> this funnier die short with me. Like one of the first things I put on the internet. Um, you know, I'd made a bunch of different short films, like you know, longer things, and uh, this was kind of during that time of like these online funny videos. Yeah. Um, everybody kind of and uh, which you know there's tons tons of great stuff out there so anyway I, I made a couple of funny or die videos and he was he and I were in the first one and um, and uh, which you can see online it's called the seriously <laughs> shitty interview um, I'm, it's check it out I it, it, it's funny he's great I, I will. <laughs> uh, and um, so anyway, but this was a little different, um, you know, but similar in some ways, frankly. But he's tough. He's tough to direct. Um, it's a, it's it's an interesting dynamic. He, well, he, he's not tough in terms of he's he's a great actor, and I've got I've got no worries there. That's why you know, uh, in addition to him being my father, actually, it's that's why he's in it because he's like the best man for the job, you know. Um, yeah. It just it's just so happens that he's my dad. Maybe that's why I'm aware of him. But uh, <laughs> you know, he, it's definitely uh, he's not second choice. Um, so anyway, he but he's just uh, it's the, my crew actually said, and I'm very purposeful about being um, kind in life and certainly cultivating just like a nice set. Um, yeah. So, but my crew was like, you're being kind of mean to your dad or somebody, this girl, Joanna said it to me, um, who was our set designer and like, uh, like all superstar kind of PA. Um, and I think she said, I think she said that. And I was just like, um, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there's, um, just, uh, well, he's funny because he doesn't, he's, he's a little bit stubborn and I guess I am too, but, um, <laughs> you know, you've got a, he, yeah, he's like a wild stallion. You've got to kind of rein him in a little bit, <laughs> um, yeah. but anyway, it's really fun to work with him. And, um, yeah, what's so exciting to me is that I just think he's really great and it's, you know, it's great to show him off, I guess. Yeah, I, I just have this uh, this image in my head of you giving him direction for the scene and him in his head just being like, y you know, I'm blank years older than you. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I think I know That's what's best. He, like, I think, yeah, like he's, um, you know, I have to kind of tell him how I want it, you know, or, or, or something's not going right. But it's usually nothing kind of in terms of what he's, 
the choices he's making are are usually great because I you know he's uh, he kind of he studied acting growing up and I I think you know he he he's got some good craft uh, he tries to make it real um, but just sometimes it's like where he's looking. I'm like, Dad, you're looking at the camera. Like, where am I going? Um, I think that's kind of would be my main thing. Just like, you know, look at me or just kind of uh, look wherever you're going to look, but not at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> not straight at the audience. <laughs> yeah, like... yeah. Not in this particular setup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not It's not exactly Jane and Silent Bob strike back when you make a mess of joke. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. We're not breaking the uh, the fourth wall. Yeah, <laughs> it remains firmly intact. We, although, <laughs> al- although somebody, um, this girl, when when I showed it in Manchester at Manchester Film Festival, um, which was great, um, in the in your uh, home country, mm-hmm. um, this girl Millicent Thomas. Um, a, you know, like a, a film journalist. Uh, she, anyway, she write, I think she writes for Screen Queens is the name of the site. And um, she was like, I thought it was kind of like, it reminded me of like Deadpool, how he's kind of has these asides. Like to the, I, I guess maybe because she was referencing the, the scene where I'm on the balcony, the one you were talking about, and I'm kind of having a, a small conversation with myself. Um yeah. But uh, I thought that was a, you know, obviously not something I uh, thought of. But uh, I, I always think it's great to hear people's <laughs> different uh, feedback. Yeah, I, know. I can definitely see where she's coming from there. Uh, but I, I would probably argue then that she's not the type of person that does talk to himself when she's alone, because <laughs> uh, I, I know I do that a lot where I'll just be by myself in the house and I go to do something and I'm telling myself that I'm doing this thing and, and I'm yeah, like, well, yeah, I'll yeah. just do this later. Yes. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's something uh, certainly uh, I think people do, but um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. Well, that's the, that's, the, that's the cool thing. That's why I like, um, I love hearing what any, everybody thinks and that's, you know, it's great hearing that people love it, of course. Yeah. Um, hearing anything positive is always great and appreciated, like, you know, in in the biggest way. Um, but it's it's also really interesting to just to hear what people really think about all the things. You know, it's more interesting. It's um, um, it's it's an exciting in a different way to hear just things that people think about because then they're bringing inevitably themselves to it. And, you know, I think that's why, um, that's why I like film writing and criticism and stuff. Like, uh, I, I think there's just harmony to the perspectives, um, that, you know, that make art something that we all love and like, you know, the world, something that can ultimately be a beautiful place to live in because like, (laughs) It's not war, you know, just because you have different ideas, it's kind of, it's what, it's, it's what makes it cool. Everybody's got a different perspective. That's like the point. Um, (laughs) So it's, uh, it's, no, I like that a lot. Um, And yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. As long as it's constructive, because yeah, you obviously will get some people that just go, please don't. 
Yeah, like you, some people will just go, oh, it's boring, and then that's it. It's like, what oh. what do you do with that? <laughs> oh how God. would you fix it? How would you like it to not be boring? Like Then I could work with that. But uh... Yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, you can't really work with it if, if the movie's done. Yeah, but, no. <laughs> yeah. But, Maybe next time. Uh, yeah, it, no, exactly. I, like... I think that's funny when people, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, we're going off the rails a little bit here but um yeah when people feel the need to just put a negative not 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 even just like a, an opinion about what something means or their impression or what just like that um just bad yeah bad boring <laughs> it's just funny it's just funny it's like well you know it's just very clearly not adding any good to anyone's life yeah <laughs> But I guess their argument is either did your boring movie uh, that I wasted my time trying to watch. <laughs> but anyway, it's fun. No, it's it's all good. You know, listen, yeah. if, as far as anybody that's seen my stuff, um, especially the, like not just checked out. I don't know that this there's a contingent of people who's just, you know, stopped watching Beach Pillows, for example. But um <laughs> I, no, I'm just I'm really appreciative of anybody watching the thing. That that's so I love hearing it, and it's also. But I probably shouldn't even say this because like I you, you love and need to hear like good feedback to keep doing it. Like I couldn't do that. Like I couldn't do it, and I wouldn't do it if it was just like what is this? This you know what I mean? Yeah. It would be too much. Obviously, I have purpose. Um, you know outside of people's opinions that that um calls me to do this but it's not um but i i'm i'm making it so that people love it that's the point you know what i mean so so if that's not like happening in any way um that would be difficult to do but you you kind of realize that so that's great and that makes you lets you keep making it so that's like essential um but also you have to to do it you have to really love the doing of it so the doing yeah. of it is like real that, that feels really great um and then and then watching it with people and being like there that's when i think so not necessarily and and again i love love hearing it but it's really fun to sit with people because that's like they're experiencing everything you experience so when they watch it, like, you know, communally, when you have opportunities to do this at like film festivals and stuff, um, it's pretty cool. I've grown, I used to, they used to just scare me and give me stomach aches, um, <laughs> like with beach pillows, um, yeah, even though I was super proud of it. Maybe I've just gotten used to it because, um, you know, I had to show movies and like, you know, the movies we made in college, we had to show um, at the end of the semester or whatever. But um I yeah I like it now I guess uh, yeah no I I like sitting with people and uh, especially since this movie kind of has so many different feelings and turns and kind of just fe- feeling that happen in the audience is pretty cool yeah well um I I wanted to move into a question that I asked you last time and I'd be interested to get the answer to this for this time as well, which is uh, it's a two-part question, which was uh, what was your best day of shooting the film, followed by 
what was the worst day of shooting the film. <laughs> um, well, there's not that many to choose from because we shot pretty quick. But yeah, um, I, I imagine. <laughs> but um, no, there's certainly. Um, that's funny because I, I worst day is always impossible because it's just like you know the last day was tough and kind of you know but it's so great because you rap and everybody it's this like ceremony celebration yeah. um but then you have to leave either the worst day is kind of when you just break up the party although i was going home to my family so it was like the best day <laughs> um, but um so let me just put the worst day on the back burner and uh-huh. the best day i think again like ever i could just talk about that so we shot where we um we lived where we shot in the house right. so um and um there, there's kind of a short history to how we ended at that location but whatever we've you know we don't have to go there but <laughs> it was, ended up being great it was actually not it, it was something that i thought i had a location and we had to change it and this place was a little bit bigger um i mean considerably bigger in terms of the space i think the way we showed it um it's not necessarily even as big as, as it is we didn't show you know certain parts of the house or whatever but um but and it wasn't that big but it was um and again the crew wasn't that big in the cast too small but um we lived we we stayed there so and just just being able to do that like that that it's so fun and patrick the sound mixer like cooked every night we'd get groceries um so you're just kind of playing music watching you know playing records watching movies and kind of um you know kind of reflecting on the work or whatever and um so that that was all so great so that you know what usually stinks is you've got a ton of location moves and you're just sitting in trucks and we kind of like took that away and just could be really working the whole time so that it was you know it was awesome um so you know the toughest shot by a mile um was the one and i only did it once um (laughs) where where so he he comes back i knock him out um and i go i run and jump into the water and swim out to look for her um at night yeah that's like you know so we track along the dock from the parallel dock and pan 90 degrees and kind of i jump in the water and i go out however many feet and dive under kind of dunk under to look for her three times and then swim back and um you know i have asthma i'm not like a strong swimmer anyway (laughs) um and it was at night and it was cold um so, and we were actually kind of magic hour because so we could, you know, that's kind of when you want to get night stuff, some if you can, um, especially if it's one shot, um, or not magic hour, like, like beyond, like, you know, the sun's down, but you're just getting that glow, the, just the glow. Um, and, and then you, you can bring it down and it's night or whatever, but you have more latitude and more contrast and, you know, you can see more of the images. Um, so, um, but, but we really had a limited time to do it. And it's funny when I come back on the dock there, I, I pick myself up and then we have a, um, I don't even know if you tell or not, but we have a, I, I think you, 
you could if you looked back, of course, but we have like a small cut and then I kind of flop down into like this upside down thing, uh, a shot and I'm just kind of huffing it, just breathing there and which was, you know, real. Um, but we, that ended up being a, a, a pickup immediately after because when he tilted down, cause I wanted the shot, you know, no cuts, you know, we're yeah. all the things that all the things I just described. And when I flop up and crawl up the dock, we, tilt down directly over my overhead and I'm in that shot that you ultimately see. But when we tilted down, there was a big shadow on me because the sun, the light was behind us. Um, so it was like, how did we not like prepare for this? Um, so I was pretty upset because I was, you know, like, uh, felt like I was like going to die. Um, but, um, it was basically like, uh, well, and then I had to see it because oh, and always the the DP is going to be like, oh, do, do, can't use it, like whatever. Um, there's an issue, like go again, <laughs> just for something technical. Um, when yeah. I I don't necessarily, you know, there are shots in Casino where there's like a camp, like uh, like some shots that are supposed to be static, and some movies that there's bumps in the camera because the performance is right or whatever they're in the movie and it kind of gives it an interesting quality or energy. But so I, I'm not usually as worried about stuff that uh, it, it might depend on the DP, but that Alex would consider an imperfection um, because I would see it after I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, some, of course, most of the time I'm sure we'd see it and be like, yeah, that's an issue, whatever. Yeah. But you know, we're not necessarily looking for the same things. Um, I th you know he's he's great and I think we work beautifully together. I was lucky to have him, but um, it's I think that's just our jobs. Um, but anyway, he he I was like, let me see it because maybe it's fine. And uh, you, you try not to run back every shot, especially when you know you're directing and acting. But um, you know you can look at the end of the day if you want. But anyway, ran it back, um, and we would run back a fair amount of stuff and. Um, Yes, it was couldn't couldn't use it the way I had hoped. Um, so I was just like, just pick it up. I'll crawl into it, and you know, it's an easy solution. Um, so we cut there. Um, so that was that was the most like emotional, I think, like <laughs> thing. But um, a, another funny part of the production story is that the hot tub we like. Or no, excuse me, hot tub. Of course, there's not a hot tub in the movie. <laughs> no, but we were like that scene where I'm underwater at night at a certain point in the movie. Um, yeah. Won't reveal too much, but um, that was like you know that's very difficult to shoot underwater and see anything, and especially in a lake. But at night, it's like you know these things are impossible basically, and also. A, a, a tough thing to shoot and especially um you know you could have a num i don't want yeah you could have elements that are make it difficult so we were like punting that the whole shoot and i had an idea um that that we could do it in this hot tub that was in the basement of the place and uh, <laughs> the house uh, which i feel like you know again they don't know what we're talking about and that might make an element of the movie less cool. So I, I think <laughs> I personally I think it's great that because watching that particular bit that we're talking about, uh, I I 
wouldn't have like known at like all. Like, yeah, yeah. If it and and that was so funny because Alex uh, Alexander Crow, the DP or the, my cinemato- cinematographer, was um, he was like, "It's not gonna, that's not gonna work." Uh, we, you know, we should, um, and I always kind of knew that it would. <laughs> but there's a lot of things like this over the course of a movie. Um, but we were always just like, you know, we're going to have to, it's, it's here in the schedule. So we'll kind of, and uh, yeah, we did some tests and, you know, figured out different ways to do it. It was the, the toughest part was laying down like that yeah. underwater <laughs> um, for any period of time because the water just rushes up your nose. Um, so yeah but um yeah we we got pretty uh creative there yeah no it was, it was uh and it worked of... I, I you wouldn't just put it in the movie if it looked like crap like it's i should um something funny is that in the wolf of wall street um scorsese was like there's there's this part in the movie that or the, we, we have the seatbelt like going on on the plane so he's like i want that shot but we they just didn't get it on the day and you know you have to get us, you know, you have to basically, you know, get a set, get crew to, to make this happen. They just didn't. And Spurs, he was like, I need that. So I don't know if he was considering using stock footage or whatever, but he just told somebody on the crew or somebody, you know, he works with or somebody just shoot it with your eye, shoot it, shoot it on the plane with your iPhone. And, um, Maybe it was even him, but they just put the an iPhone shot in like a Scorsese film. Um, <laughs> so it's like you you can it's 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 kind of a cool. At the end of the day, you have to do anything to make things work. It's really just about making it work um, for the audience. So <laughs> it's kind of that French New Wave approach. It's like um, you know be you know he doesn't have to be french new wave but well he i i think that's what's great about scorsese even though he could get a hundred million dollars and like you know leonardo dicaprio um he still just brings every idea and like a punk rock mindset to it um you know just take what you have and and be creative in ways that people haven't been because they said well you can't do it that way you know what i mean yeah so yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I feel like uh, after all that, like you know, I I enjoy hearing like oh, what was the worst day? Because I I feel you don't hear that often, but uh, it seems like overall you just had uh, a fairly cool time doing this. I'm I'm not even gonna follow up with that with that one. I I think we had a a really good answer with uh, some of the best aspects of shooting there so uh, I enjoy that Um, although I do have one question that I wrote just because I'm curious and uh, it's simply that do you happen to have any unusable takes of you in the wet white underwear (laughs) because I feel like you must do (laughs) <laughs> that's great um i think we do I, I i cut it and i you know went through all the footage um and yeah there were some things you know i i i did i i tried to protect the audience from that horror 
you know, it's it's a, it's a horror movie, but not that level of horror. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, um, we were we were mindful. We were generally mindful, and I frankly I I wish I hadn't been mindful at all. I'll say, <laughs> I, you know, because I'm yeah. like, you know what, just. Um, but just, uh, just like eager to show it, exactly. I, I'm not saying I, I'm eager to show it, but um, just you know, you end up wearing shorts under the shorts, and there's one scene where I'm like, can you see? Can you see them? Uh, and that, that that kind of thing would bum me out. But um, nobody's yeah. mentioned it, so I'm sure I'm just focusing extra hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I I saw the scene, and uh, obviously you yeah. Just continuing to go, and I was just like, "Hmm." Like, on the day, I'm sure you had a couple of tapes where you finish it, and then you you go to look at it, and you're just like, "And I'm not using that one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, um, geez, pretty much. Well, you know, I think what you end up feeling is that hopefully, hopefully, I think it's a good feeling to feel like. You know what? There was any other anything else wouldn't wouldn't be would feel wrong. You know what I mean? Which not to make a testament on oh the rest of the work was unusable and you're just kind of but because you know everything that was you know planned is ends up being in the movie. Um, But yeah, there's something about getting the right one of everyone. That's that's a cool aspect of filmmaking that. or what what ends up being your preference or feeling like you feel tells the story the best or had the most emotion or whatever um, was of course nailed the camera like you know there's that camera move where we're it was a jib but it's when I'm walking up after the scene with the cop and it reveals the boy upstairs um, that was like an elaborate difficult shot that we had to do just like 20 times to get it and actually I think it was 30 something um, and it was this big, big gaffing job for the crew. Um, or, or I'm sorry, I believe I need to say grip. Um, anyway, they were pushing around a giant jib on a dolly um, and going back and forth. And we had this big um, setup to block the lights. Um, but where was I going with that? I'll, I'll end it there. <laughs> I, I was going to say I'm not perfectly sure, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> um, uh, okay, the the only other question that I had, and uh, feel free to just say all of them or whatever, but uh, is there any scene in the, the finished cut of the film that you are most proud of? Either something that you know, featured you heavily or just something that is uh, the way it all came together, you just you enjoy watching it? the most or and obviously it's it's your film and uh it's kind of like saying oh which of your children do you prefer like i'm sure <laughs> so it's a difficult question but it's uh, right. any one thing that jumps out of you from this um film? i um give me a second to think here and you can you can cut out oh, that's, that's fine. some of the pause uh, <laughs> although i like a natural kind of flow to it um so the you know what? I think, I mean, just in terms of communicating, I'll try to think of an answer to that in the process of saying that it was really um, just, I felt really grateful to be back in the saddle, you know, having made Beach Pills experience a lot, 
enjoyed it so much, learned so much, um, kind of pushed it for what felt like so long. And to just kind of be getting back up there in like a very personal way, in a very physical way, um, it was just really fun. I think hopefully most, I always feel like, you know, speaking for myself here, obviously, um, that it's just always, I just feel so fortunate to be doing it. Um, because the time between it, you know, pretty significant, um, when you're just really doing exactly what you want to do. Um, and a bunch of people are helping you do it. It's, um, it just feels so great. Um, and so when you see stuff in the movie that I see and I like, um, I, you know, it, it feels again, I like that it all, it all feels, um, purposeful to me. Um, all, all of the elements together. Um, so just that it just honestly that it works for other people, <laughs> you know, is really exciting to me. Um, and especially, no, you know what? Okay. I'll say this, the, like the first 20 minutes, there's no dialogue. Um, there's not a word. So I, I, well, I sang the song to kind of introduce the film after the opening titles. Um, and that track from shot across the water and, um, and then I sing the song, I'm a man you don't meet every day, and there's just 20 minutes um, of different kind of things happening. You're not telling the audience what kind of movie it is. You're not telling the audience who this person is, what's happened before, what they're do- why they're doing what they're doing. So just giving the audience that much, I guess, credit. There's a better way to say it, but just kind of not, not force-feeding the audience and just like letting them collaborate and ha- and then you know then the mo- then the the cop shows up and the movie starts really moving and but so I always would talk about that in like Q and A's or with people afterwards and be like thank you for sitting through that I know it takes a second and they're like no I you know I love this and they would all name different scenes from that first section of the movie and um, I was like oh I'm so great you you know you when you give people the benefit of the doubt and like, you know, let them and collaborate and kind of bring themselves to it. And, um, I don't want to say challenging, but it's just like, yeah, make it, make it something good. That's not just, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the, what the word is to describe art that is kind of oh, that, that it doesn't, push itself towards you and kind of make its impression completely. It kind of pulls you towards it and it's more, um, symbiotic. Um, that's the stuff that I ultimately love and respond to. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you the way to feel about the characters. It kind of just shows you something very specific from a very specific perspective. And, uh, you end up bringing so much of yourself to it because it's not, it's not all about the thing, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's about, yeah. So that's, yeah. It. that's what I like. Well, that, and that is a big problem, especially with blockbuster films or with a lot of Hollywood films being churned out now is there's a lot of condescension towards the audience where it's just, we're going to tell you 90% of what yeah. we think you need to know. And then you can just enjoy the jokes when they come up. 
That's exactly and, what it is. And it's almost like they show you all of that in the trailer. They do. Yeah, that, that, that's something that uh, we've gone into several times on this podcast is that trailers now are just, you may as well not watch them at all because you're just going to get bits from all over the film yeah. spoiled. So it's, uh, um, uh, the example that I always use actually was for the first Avengers. I think I only saw one or two trailers, but in one of the trailers, they showed you Hulk catching Iron Man. And those uh-huh. that have seen Avengers know that that is something that happens in the last five minutes, which means that one part of the Avengers where the question is, is Iron Man going to sacrifice himself? And everyone's uh-huh. like, oh, no, he's doing that. I was going, well, he doesn't. I've seen it. <laughs> it's in the trailer. He's going to fall and Hulk's going to catch him. And then he fell and Hulk caught him. So it was, uh, and it's a lot of that now. It's almost as if they assume that American audiences will see the trailer and then a month later will go and see the film and they'll have completely forgotten the trailer. They won't remember a yeah. single thing about it. And fortunately for me, I can't do that. So Yeah, I'm, I'm in that camp. But yeah, I think it's because they spend... You know, they spend a couple hundred million dollars to make those movies and then another half a billion to market them. They can't be or don't feel like they can leave anything to chance. So they're like, you've got to tell them exactly what it's going to be. And so they don't feel like they were tricked and it creates this bad, like, buzz, word of whatever. And, um, but also, honestly, I don't know. I think it's dumb. Um, so I, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not a novel opinion. It's, well, it's no, unfortunately, but... my, my, yeah, I mean, uh, what's maybe even less novel, but more pervasive is that, um, you know, art, well, corporate, corporations kind of control the world, governments. So, you know, and when it ends up when they control art, it's like you really it's tough to call that art. You kind of have to get outside of that to get a perspective on it. Otherwise, you're just kind of in this machine machine and subject to all this kind of conditioning like you. you it's to me, it's not art. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, that's that's a hot, as hot a take as I can uh, put forward. Not, and not to say the people working on it aren't artists and um all of this and um, the source material is, you know, beautiful and inspiring stories and all of this. But I just think when it goes through this giant mechanism and has to service all of these specific commercial needs, it, you know, it, you kind of juice the, uh, what I would, what I would be looking for in a piece of work out of it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree that there's, there's a certain formula that works to make money right. and that kind of stifles a lot of artistic creativity. Yeah, and, and I think you could make... you. Can, I think that it's because, you know, business, they, you know, they think this is how you make money, but you don't, you know, a smarter businessman would say, I don't need $200 million to make a movie and then, you know, I only have to market it with $400 million because I spent $200 million to make it. Like, if you can make it for $5 million, 
and then market it for 20, you could potentially make as much money if if it's if the, if it's something people have never seen before, you know, if it's something undeniable that people have to flock to experience. Um, so that, you know, that it's, I think there are those things out there. Maybe it's tougher for them to cut through because it's, you know, there's, I think it's easier to, for people to make things and share them. But I think, you know, that's great. That just kind of, um, it requires, it raises the bar in a sense because it requires the work to be that much stronger. Um, uh, but of course it's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Van Gogh's work was pretty strong and <laughs> he didn't, uh, reap the, uh, material rewards, but that's not, um, the point, I guess. <laughs> well, that's all right. It doesn't necessarily need to be uh, a full point. There. It's just, uh, uh, the way you feel about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm fine. I just um, and I don't no, I don't mind saying how I feel, and I don't. I, I certainly wouldn't want to be mean, or I'm not trying to okay. be mean to anyone. But um, yeah, I I think it's I think most people kind of feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and um, uh, just before we wrap up, I was gonna say, like, I definitely think things are changing a little bit, and obviously, uh, Deadpool as an example, it's still a big studio film but was made for a lot less money and they took a lot more risks and it really paid off and I think that's going to start paying dividends in as much as other studios are going to agree to start taking risks and are going to let people make the films that you couldn't have made and released five ten years ago because yeah. the studios would have thought well that's not what we do or that the audience is going to get behind this so right yeah. yeah i think it's um no i think you're right i think you know it is nice when you see them hiring well i don't know there are different ways to look at it but you you've got kind of independent voices or filmmakers brought into those systems to to give like character and signature to the work and um i think that is cool and it's nice you know it's better than certain alternatives for sure. I just think it, it's, um, and I, and I, I grew up, I love big studio movies and grew up loving them, loving Batman and Superman, every, you know, all of it. But I think what was cool is those movies stood alongside like a bunch of different types of movies and like, you know, adult movies, like just the movies, again, not, these are not, um, novel opinions or, groundbreaking in any way but um you know the movies of the 70s and like movies for adults and like movies as art or movies as you know uh an auteur somebody communicating a perspective on the world that was uniquely their own and uniquely of a time or of a feeling um and th those movies are made but it's 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 just not um yeah i think those that's the thing i think those movies are made i think hopefully Covidung is an example. Um, it's just about, you know, like making people aware of them. And it's, it's kind of, um, you know, culture is more segmented, of course, but I think, um, it's fun when everybody can kind of experience things together. Um, too. Uh, I think that's what we all, that was one of the things we love about art and, and movies growing up. So yeah. And as, uh, the one making it, I, uh, 
I just want to share it with as many people as possible because you know, I feel strongly about it. But it's been good talking about it, Paul. Yeah, no, I, I really hope that you do get to, to share it with a lot more people. It will be available for all. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, in, in that respect, uh, wrapping up here, so why don't you let people know exactly where they can find it and where they can find you if they wish to talk to you about it. Cool. Well, if you're interested in Covidanga, and I hope you are after sticking with us through this conversation, <laughs> um, you can um, learn more about it, see it, buy it, buy the music from the movie, see reviews of the movie, um, supplements, all the music videos, um, the poster, different cool stuff at, at live performances at covidanga.film. So on your computer, on your internet, on your phone, www.covidanga.film. And um, so you can see all that stuff now. The movie is available to watch on Halloween, on um, October 31st. Um, so maybe, you know, the 30th at midnight. Um, <laughs> and through covidanga.film and Vimeo On Demand, you can buy Covidanga and then watch it on your, you know, Apple TV, Roku, um, Amazon Fire, um, Chromecast, AirPlay, you know, Samsung Smart TV, all that stuff. Um, any smart situation, you can watch it. Or, um, you know, frankly, it's funny, you send, uh, of course, I, I've loved screening the movie in theaters, with, you know, audiences at, at festivals and stuff like that. And some of some of my favorite theaters in New York, like the Museum of the Moving Image, which was just like blew me away that I would ever get that opportunity. Um, but you share the movie with people like yourself and you know critics or even you know festival programmers, whatever, on a computer um, or with you know these pass a password protected Vimeo link, and it's like. It's, you know, you hold the computer as close to yourself as you want. The resolution on this, like, it's a pretty good viewing experience. I mean, <laughs> I've, uh, I don't, it doesn't bum me out the way it maybe used to, especially since I watch it so much. Like, I'll look, I'll be thinking about something or wanting to reference something or, you know, looking at the, the videos and, you know, watching it on my phone. And it's like, it's an experience, whatever. And, um, you're seeing the thing. It's like the screen is bigger if you hold it closer. So it does. You know, I love. You know, the the. I love cinema. I love the theater. Um, but at the end of the day, cinema is moving pictures, and um, you know, you watch it however you want. But yeah, you can watch it on TV. Um, a flat screen setup, um, I would think, would be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I I do wish uh, I'd been able to. Uh, to get it through my TV, but uh, right. I, I do enjoy sometimes just sitting down with my laptop and just being, okay, what am I going to watch tonight? Right? And I'll cool. put something no, on. Is, so. I, I'm sure younger people kind of feel that way. And it's funny, I had um, even like, you know, sometimes, because I, I, I have two small young kids and um, it's tough to watch a lot of the new movies. But like on a plane, they'll have some indie movies. And um, uh, I remember watching like, and this was a couple of years ago, but um, the movie uh, Calvary. Uh, it's like, it's a, it's an Irish movie, I think, um, on with Brendan Gleeson, I think, uh, on the plane. And I was like crying. It was amazing. Um, so 
maybe previous to that, I was like, oh, it's a different experience. But I think we've just become so used to all different kind of screens that you, you, at the end of the day, you're just trying to, the movie's got to win out. It's not, a, a screen isn't going to make the movie better. So yeah. I, I um, and, it, and it's, and I think if you make, yeah, if, yeah, if you make it beautiful, it'll work. And whatever you want to watch Povedanga on, I will, um, you know, put my, st- I give you my word that it is, it should be good enough that you're not upset that you bought it. Yeah, no, I, I, will, <laughs> I will second that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, put, I'm gonna put that on the poster. <laughs> yeah, you probably will be happy you bought this. <laughs> <laughs> you, in all, yeah, I hope you're not upset. Yeah. <laughs> the, the director. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I I would urge anyone listening to this to, at the very least, see your way clear to purchasing, if not the film, then some of the music. Cause the music is very good in this film. So. Oh yeah, well yeah, the Vimeo on demand. It's kind of like a streaming partnership or whatever. But they um yeah you could like I'm able to charge what I want for it, which is set or you know I decide what to charge for it, which is seven dollars. So the movie's seven to buy, four to rent, and you get when you buy it for seven bucks, you get the seven songs from the film, two of which are original Irish folk songs. That's the one at the beginning and the end. Um, nice. And uh, so yeah, I, you send your kind of purchase receipt to music at Covidanga.film. you get those songs and um, or you could buy the songs for a buck a piece at Kovadanga.film, but you can stream everything, all these songs at Kovadanga.film for free and watch the music videos for five of them there. And um, yeah, you, it's all on YouTube. So anyway, I'm on Twitter at Beach Pillows. Um, <laughs> but Kovadanga.film has all my handles at the bottom. So I, I definitely want to emphasize film for anybody who's <laughs> listening and yeah I'm, I'm just excited to release it in this way um, because again it was a different kind of movie I kind of made it in a different way and I, I'm really excited for the opportunity to carry that spirit through distribution um, and kind of control it and, and uh, make it available alongside the music and all these things so I, uh, I'm excited about it I'm you know, glad that this is kind of it's possible to do it this way now and uh yeah it should be fun yeah yeah it's really cool so uh please everyone listening do go check that out once it's out and uh yeah everyone uh, definitely worth your seven dollars so that's it's uh yeah honestly worth that and uh yes, yes. I, see it and come let let me know what you think Yes, yes, please do. And uh, if you want to let me know what you guys thought about this, then uh, you can get a hold of us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blokebusters. You can email us, theblokes at blokebusters.com, or you can check out our website, blokebusters.com, or you can go to popbirds.com and check out us there as well as every other fine podcast that's there. And uh, one last time, yeah, thank you very much for coming back on. It's been a blast having you again. Thank you, Paul. I've really enjoyed it. All the best to you and yours. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, uh, the same to you. And uh, with all that being said, I've been Paul, and he's been Sean, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. When you've seen what life can offer, and it didn't look too
good And the dark of night surrounds you Like you always knew it would And you cry and think it's over Cause nobody seems to care Just think you may not have no money But you've still got all your hair Said it was a picnic, but your basket's empty now. And you want so bad to fill it, if only someone showed you how. When those boots kick through your doorway and they leave your cabinets bare, just think you may not have no money, but you still got all your hair.